Welcome to the Exit Velocity Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. As always, I'm here with Jordan. It is week 15 already. How are you feeling? Time's flying. It uh, is definitely going fast. But with the extended week, which I wanted to talk about right away, um, it's we're now just focused on the second half of it. So um, I'm eager to finish it up, but I'm just never a huge fan of these long weeks. Yeah, uh, because it is a short week this week, and it's kind of a two-week period, we are going to change things up today. We're not going to do a previous week top 10 because it is only two days. We are going to do top guys coming back from injury that will make impact in the second half. All right, so the top guys we have coming back at number one. Who do you got? The top guys coming back from injury this year. Um, in my eyes, I would say Tyler Glasnow as most impactful um, coming back from his arm injury. I think um, he'll be an immediate impact and continue on to succeed uh, as we saw early on in the first half of this year. So he is my number one guy to watch um, exceed at a high level and help fantasy owners out when he returns immediately. Yeah, especially with the Rays. They kind of need him. I think they're way they do things with their bullpen. They got starters and openers and all kinds of stuff. They need a guy like glass. Now they have Blake Snell, but they, they have him and Charlie Morton, but to have a third guy that's as good as glass. Now that'll help big time. Yeah, for sure. So that's like a three headed monster. If when yeah. Glasnow returns. So, and Chirinos has also been stellar. So they've actually yes, had, a, they've actually had a stellar staff and I think they have, they're currently pitching seven, no hit innings right now. So. Yeah. I said, I just saw that. So, all right, at number two, we got Corey Kluber, which as a Twins fan is scary to see that name, uh, even though we actually hit against him pretty well. It's just because Shane Bieber right now, he's kind of in a jam. But if Corey Kluber comes back in the second half with Trevor Bauer, Shane Bieber, and maybe even Carlos Carrasco, that could be a little scary. Yeah, um, it seemed as though the Cleveland Indians were all about selling or cons- like they looked like they would be a team that would sell due to the injuries and the lackluster performance early on the season. And now with, uh, I mean, the team's turning it around and uh, they're giving us a battle in the series and they're climbing up the ranks in the AL Central. So with that being said, if they all become, if that staff becomes healthy, Clevenger's obviously already back in action. Uh, they're the, they're a one nasty pitching staff. So uh, with that, I think Kluber will make that impact that can take a team to the next level, especially if you are struggling currently. So um, if he's available or could be traded for right now, I would address that need and uh, buy him while you can. Yeah, if you get Kluber around playoff time and he's in his ace form, that's scary. He could carry you. Yeah. So All right. What's that? No, I was just going to say, yeah, if I had the uh, capability of acquiring Kluber, I would go ahead and do so sooner than later. Yes. And at number three, we have another guy that if you add to the rotation in New York, Luis Severino, that could be another filthy rotation, even though Jay Happ isn't performing. But with Severino possibly coming back in the second half, probably August for the fantasy playoffs, do you think he'll help you out right away? I would say, I mean, he might get um, some slow work initially, like some five-inning uh, outings, so he won't be really uh, quality start relevant early on. But I'm sure after he gets into the 
back into the rhythm, his pitch count increases, he will be dominant for playoffs. So if hope all is well with his uh, recovery, he hopefully ha- re- hopefully he has no setbacks and he will be able to provide that immediate impact um, like, like Kluber. So, yeah, we'll, we will see with the Yankees. I know their bats are coming back at number four. We got a guy, if he stays healthy, he might be the best shortstop in the league, but that's a big if. Carlos Correa, if you add him to that Houston lineup, they're looking like another World Series. Yeah, I mean, even without him, they're still great um, all around. They always, I feel like there's always a guy that can just either be called up or just repl- be uh, fill in off the bench and perform at a high level. So I believe, Car- I mean, obviously when Carlos Correa is healthy, he makes an immense impact and he's a must-own in fantasy formats, but I mean, he's just too injury prone, but I also, but I do believe that when healthy, he is one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. So, with that, um, I don't know what his what his timetable is on return, but he should make a, again an immediate impact. Yeah, with the position being as deep as it is, the shortstop. Actually, it's funny because two years ago, I feel like getting a good shortstop was rare. Rare, but now you got even guys like Elvis Andres performing, Jorge Polanco performing. Uh, shortstop's not a, mu- a must-need like it used to be. Yeah, there's definitely more depth at the so- shortstop position, whereas the second base position is that uh, more sh- struggle some point, much like a catcher, obviously. So. Yep. All right, at number five, we got John Carlos Stanton. I feel like over the past, since he's left Miami and he's got hit in the face, which well, that was unfortunate, he has struggled to stay on the field. But when he's on the field, just like most of these guys on the list, he has a major impact on his team and fantasy teams. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, he's about age 29 now, and he had the MVP year in Miami. Obviously, he has been known to strike out a lot, but also has been known to be injury prone. But when again, when he's on the field, as you mentioned, he makes that impact that can change a week for fantasy owners. So Hopefully, I, I just received, received note or saw messages that he has, like Aaron Boone has mentioned, that um, there's no real immediate or soon up-and-coming return for him. It's going to take a little bit longer, so I, I would say mid-August is probably when we're going to expect him back, if not a little bit later. So right in front of the uh, playoff time is when he should be returning. But, again, he'll be plugged into the four or five hole in that lineup, and that lineup is already loaded as is. So, um, again, if he has no setbacks during his rehab assignments and recovery, he should make that impact for you. So, again, he's another one of those candidates that you can trade for, maybe get him a little bit cheaper than normal at this point in time. Yes, I agree. All right, at number six, we got Jamison Tyon. He's been injured and he's been injury-prone since he's been with the Pirates. Uh, but when he's healthy, if he can strike guys out, uh, he's pretty valuable to your team if you have a K-9 or strikeout category. Do you think he is going to perform well in the second half once he comes back? I heard you said he was throwing. He threw yesterday for the first time. He's going to begin throwing, I think, or like he may have just began throwing. Um, but he's the ace of that staff in Pittsburgh, no doubt about it. Uh, just a matter of him returning to action and not having any setbacks either. But he's a guy that was picked in the top six rounds of fantasy baseball leagues in the summer or going into the year. And 
Obviously, this injury has not been all that uh, helpful to fantasy owners, but guys who have uh, kept them plugged in or kept them stashed in their IL spots should be able to reap the benefits when he returns to action. So, uh, especially during the playoffs, if I mean, if he is not going to be back for another three, four weeks, that's right in the during the trade deadline times in leagues and right before playoffs. So that should help immensely to fantasy owners. Yeah, and the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. I feel like they're a little bit of a surprise this year. I thought they would be a bottom five team, but with Josh Bell coming out, Starling Marte starting to hit now, and a bunch of randoms like Kevin Newman, he's hitting the top of the lineup and getting on base. Uh, They're performing pretty well out in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and even like the likes of uh, Starling Marte, like he's hitting home runs more than I would expect. He's got like 15 now on the year. Um, I don't really – I don't know if he's hit more than 22 in a year. So – the, they've they're actually probably surprising themselves. I feel like they would have been sellers at the deadline coming up July thirty first, and I think they might be buying. So who knows? We'll see what happens yeah. as the time progresses. Yeah, as they like to say out there, it's a Marte parte. That's what you say. That's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they say that too. Uh, if uh, he, hit, okay. he hits bombs, it's a Marte parte. <laughs> <laughs> All right, at number seven, I think he could easily be in the top five because of where he plays in Cincinnati in that short uh, right field porch, Scooter Jeanette, and he plays at a very valuable position in fantasy baseball, which a couple years ago used to be a deep position, but now it's shallow at second base. How do you think Scooter is going to get it rolling? If he stays healthy, he is a guy that can be plugged in and a top five at his position at second base. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, I mean, he returned, been banged up, um, hasn't been a clean return for him. Had some setbacks, but he was in the lineup today. And I'm just hoping that he gets into the rhythm that he needs to be successful because he is a huge impact player, especially this in this year with uh, the second base being so skim. But like I said um, in the in uh, episodes previous, with I remember his numbers were being compared to Freddie Freeman's, I think, from seven, 2017 and 2018. Mm-hmm. And I think Scooter had better numbers than Freddie Freeman. And um, obviously, Freddie Freeman's on, off to a career year this year. But mm-hmm. he's that t- he has that type of upside to provide you those, like, some solid numbers. So hopefully he is able to bounce back here um and just execute at a high level and be that must own fantasy asset moving forward for the second half yeah that nl central is crazy the reds are starting to play better because of yasiel puig the pig is starting to go nuts it's actually his bobblehead day on july 18th and they're giving out yasiel puig riding a horse bobblehead at cincinnati yeah geez All right, at number eight, we got another Cleveland Indians starting pitcher that hasn't pitched since 2017, Danny Salazar. What's going on with him? He's just had so many injuries, and he's been very inconsistent with his control, which has led to him being up and down from AAA, up and like from up and down from AAA to the majors when healthy. So. It's all about if he can just pitch for strikes and strike guys out because striking guys out is not the problem he has. He has one of the highest K-9 percentages in the league. So it's about him just remaining healthy and striking or or pitching, like having quality control. So um, he's a guy I definitely like with some upside. He's only, I think, 20% owned in fantasy leagues right now in Yahoo format. 
there's definitely upside there, especially with the uh, canine potential. So that'll mm-hmm. definitely um, increase values there for you if you have that in your format. But I don't really know if he's going to be able to provide you with quality starts. That's my only concern. So Five inning guy. Yeah, he will definitely get you the wins in those types of formats, but qualities would be the question because they're obviously not – like he hasn't pitched in two years. 2017 is the last time he pitched in the majors. So he's going to struggle – um, with pitch count, I'm sure, because that control's always been a concern with him. But it, like I said, he will definitely help you in the canine category. Uh, yes, he will. Uh, I remember not that, that long ago, Danny Salazar was probably a top 20 pitcher. People are talking about him being a top 20 pitcher until all these injuries started to happen. Yeah, for sure. But imagine that uh, staff went healthy. So Ooh. Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, Danny Salazar. Like Unreal. Nuts. What's crazy is Shane Bieber might be starting to take over as the ace of that staff, which is nuts. Yeah. And uh, he definitely showed that uh, ace-type stuff again today against the Minnesota Twins. Yes, he did. All right, at number nine, uh, he provides another high K-9, but that's because I think his windup is funky and people can't time it, and that's Alex Wood. <laughs> he's, probably I know got, he's probably got one of the most unique uh, windups or deliveries in all of baseball, mm-hmm. um, and that's just what he has. It's not like he tries to be wonky or creative. It's just that that's just how he pitches. Um, but, yeah, the one thing I like about him is that now he's – uh, playing for the Reds, and we haven't really seen him pitch yet. So, uh, yeah. being away from the spotlight in LA, I feel like there's. I think he'll have. He he has the potential or like uh, capability of having that Sunny Gray type transition to Cincinnati. I think. Yeah, I agree. A small market team. Uh, less, the ballpark doesn't less stressful. Yeah. Less stressful. Just doing your thing. Um, that's what I was most excited about, Sonny Gray. And look at him now. He has like I think he has a career high K nine right now. Yeah, yeah, he's striking guys out. And I remember you met his family at the ballpark. And since that day, he's been killing it. All star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Sunny side up. <laughs> All right, at number ten, probably the most injury prone player on this list, maybe even in the MLB. Uh, when he's healthy, he's had one great season with the Diamondbacks. When he's healthy, he's good. The thing is, he's ha- he's like banged up everywhere. He has knees, thumbs, fingers, toes. Everything hurts on him. A.J. Pollock. Yeah, he had the elbow infection, which has kept him out most of this year. But I think his contract was four years, $55 million for the Dodgers. So one thing I like most about him is that if he is healthy, he is not going to be taken out of that lineup because he's been paid. So, like – a guy like Alex Verdugo is going to be benched now. Um, mm-hmm. AJ Pollock will not because simply the fact that he has been paid and when he has been healthy. So getting back to like his most recent days when healthy and performing at a high level, he was dominating. But like you said, injuries have obviously affected his career. So that's the biggest flaw in his game is just re- remaining on the field. But when he is on the field, and that most the recent the most recent time he was he was absolutely dominating. Everyone wanted to grab him while they could. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully that continues, which is another reason why I invested in him today, only being fifty percent on Yahoo formats. But I got him basically as a shoe win, so basically free. So I like his upside moving forward. But then again, obviously there's risk with that. So if he stays healthy, great. If not, uh, it didn't really cost me much. So yeah, the only thing with it's the Dodgers are one of those teams. 
that if you play fantasy baseball, you can tell they always release their lineups late and they always move guys around everywhere. One day, like Alex Verdugo, one day he's batting second, next day he's batting third, the next day he's batting seventh. That's the only thing with the Dodgers that I don't like owning Dodgers players besides Cody Bellinger is guys get shifted all over the lineup and they release their lineup late and they play the late game. So a lot of times you can't even like adjust. You can't put anyone to start over guys that get benched. Yeah. But I think yeah. going back to that though, I just think AJ Pollock's the kind of guy that's going to just remain in the lineup regardless. And he's probably not going to be benched much because he's a right-handed batter. Yeah. And like you said, he got paid that big bucks. Yeah. So um, obviously I don't really like, I'm not a huge fan of guys that have recently got paid. Um, preferably like an Anthony Rendon that's playing in a contract year, but mm-hmm. a guy like this, I just, yeah. So we can move on. All right. So that is our top 10 guys coming back from injury in the second half. One guy I want to mention, he has over 200 at bats, but I think he's in for a big second half and all the players on this team are in for big second halves. And that is Chris Davis with the Oakland A's. Uh, he, we got, we actually saw him get injured in Pittsburgh uh, he was playing outfield, and he ran into the wall. And since then, he has not been the same. But he had this break at the All-Star, this All-Star break, so he could be in for a big second half, I think. What do you think? Yeah. Um, obviously, he's got it going on. He's been very consistent for what he delivers year to year, a two forty seven batting average with 40-plus homers. But um, this year has definitely been – um, injury plagued, which has affected his performance thus far. Uh, I do believe, though, um, he should never play the field. And <laughs> that's how he will be, remain successful in his career. So just yeah. DH the rest of your life, four ABs, get paid, do, live your life. But um, he shouldn't be playing the field because that was probably the only day he's played the field and he got hurt. So Yeah, yep, I agree. Uh, speaking of the A's, I know Sean Mania is starting to work his way back, but he is struggling in uh, the minors and also uh, Marcus Simeon, I think should be owned. He's, I mean, he's a good shortstop for sure. I like him. um, Especially, I mean, yes, we've mentioned that the shortstop position is pretty deep this year and compared to recent, uh, recent years, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Simeon is consistent. Um, He's not like the most like appealing, enticing, like must own type of guy that you want, but his numbers don't lie. So um, if you're looking for somebody that reliable, not really that flashy, but delivers the numbers, he is an option for you. Yes, I agree. And they just required Homer Bailey from the Kansas City Royals. You think that helps Homer's value or doesn't help his value, even though he has not much value? The Coliseum pitcher park friendly atmosphere could help him. Um, Homer Bailey is just giving up too many homers to want or need in fantasy, though. Um, I'm not really, yeah, I'm not really sure I don't have any interest, but, um, but maybe that could help him out and change his game and become Mm -hmm. more fantasy relevant moving forward. But I really don't, I mean, he's nothing really too exciting to talk about, but, um, while we're talking about the A's though, we could also talk about the likes of Liam Hendricks and Blake Trinan and how Liam Hendricks has taken over the closer role and what do we expect from Blake Trinan moving forward? Um, with Trinan, I think it's kind of like I told, I actually acquired him in a deal yesterday because the guy was selling him really low. 
I think it's going to be a month yet before he gets back on track, but I think he'll take over the closer role. A guy to actually watch out there is Mr. Petit. He's been pitching really well. I know Hendricks has the closer role on hold, but if Hendricks got injured right now, Petit might be the closer. Yeah. Yeah, that's just my thought on that. But I think Trenyan will take a month. He'll get things put back together, and he'll come back. Yeah, it's just crazy how to see. I mean, well, we're talking about closers later, but he was just so dominant last year. Yeah, one of the best. And then his job's gone, so it's crazy. Crazy to think. All right, so we're going to take a short break here. But first, I would just like to mention another baseball podcast that does a really great job, and that's the Baseball 360 podcast. You can follow it on Spotify. So if any of you baseball fans need baseball news or fantasy baseball news, give them a follow. Justin and Andrew do a great job, and right now they're currently talking about all the teams of every division in baseball and what they think is going to happen for the rest of the year. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back to the show. The first thing we're going to get talking about here is the closer catastrophe. And then we're also going to do the top ads and the two starts of the week. Our closer catastrophe. It is a mess out there at number one. Who do you got? Uh, one guy I wanted to talk about right away, just because I think um, the writing's on the wall already, um, and that's Daniel Hudson of the Toronto Blue Jays. I mm-hmm. think um, Ken Giles is basically on the basically on his way out. Um, I know he's experiencing some sort of injury right po- at this point in time right now, um, but I don't know if it's going to be too significant. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are planning on shipping him. That's the plans I've heard. So. I think he's already the closer in waiting, and he actually got his first save yesterday, or may have been more, may have been his second save. I'm not sure, but um, he got his, his save yesterday against the Yankees, and I think um, that is his job for the taking, and he really has no other um, battle there for that position. So, I know Ken Giles only has in our saves plus holds format. He's only got 13 on the year, and he's ranked like 76 in Yahoo format. I don't really know how impactful Daniel Hudson will be but I do know that he'll probably be the closer most, most likely for the Toronto Blue Jays moving forward. Yeah. A lot of people actually thought yesterday because Hudson did get the save that Giles already got traded, but it was an injury, but they are thinking he already got traded because he didn't pitch the ninth. But the problem is with the Toronto Blue Jays is they don't win many games. So I don't know how many saves there is out there. Yeah. And that's just for Hudson to get. That's what I was saying. Like, I don't really know how impactful he's going to be, but um, yeah. I do think that it is his job moving forward. Yeah, another set of guys we got that I think this is the most intriguing group of the bunch is the San Diego Padres bullpen. Right now it's Kirby Yates, and he's probably the best closer in baseball. But they might trade him, they might not, just because San Diego's winning. But then if they start, if they go on like a six-game losing streak, he might be gone. But I heard, like you said, the price is high on him. Craig Stamen, is he worth putting on your roster? If you're in a saves plus holds uh, format league, head-to-head or whatever you choose or whatever you guys got going on, I would highly recommend stashing Craig Stamen at this point in time because I believe he's already he already has 24 holds on the year, saves plus holds. So he's already making an impact today, and uh, he's filling the void for when Kirby Yates is on a day of rest already. So if Kirby Yates were to be traded, he is the guy. I think Wegmenter is the other guy that I would mention um, as the uh, solution for uh, Craig Stamen to be like his guy for uh, the eighth inning for like the uh, setup role. So Wegmenter would be the other guy, but Craig Stamen is the guy that I would stash today. 
Yeah, that Wegmenter, I've watched him pitch a couple times in the pen. He can throw gas. He's got that nice he's got that nice flow going and man, he can throw ninety eight plus. Yeah, he's a beast. Um he, yeah, he's he's I mean he's tall too. I don't know his height, but like six ten, like he's a man ma- massive man. But yeah, uh, the biggest I mean, for me or like in my eyes, I don't really see why the Padres would trade Yates because he's been so successful since uh filling in for Brad Hand. I don't really know why they would trade him. Like they are very built up for the future. They've got an established closer. He's 32 years old, but at this point, I mean, closers pitch forever if they're, if they're healthy and remaining, you know what I mean? So I would hold on to him if I was them, but then again, I'm not a major league baseball GM. So uh, if they get the right price, maybe they'll pull, pull the trigger. But for the time being, I mean, I like, even if Kirby Yates gets sold, I like anywhere he goes because I'm pretty sure he's going to be the closer anywhere he gets dealt. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what's interesting with the Padres as well is I watched a game yesterday. They got two guys in their pen that can throw 100-plus. Like, that's <laughs> insane. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, that team I think will be special. I'll give it I, – I wouldn't say next year, but the year after when uh, their second that top second baseman gets called up, Urias yep. plus Tatis plus Machado. I mean, I think that team, that's going to be a good team out there. I mean, they already are pretty good, you know? So just imagine yeah. if they uh, establish a pitching staff one through five and they're just stellar. They're going to be a team to beat in the future, and that's awesome. I love Petco Park. I've never really hated on the Padres. So it'd be cool to see them succeed. Yeah, and Manny Machado said, mark my words, we'll win a World Series before the L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. At number three, what we got here is another bullpen that both the guys could actually probably get traded. And that's the Detroit Tigers bullpen. Uh, Shane Green has been probably a top five reliever this year. And Joe Jimenez is also kind of on the trading block. Who do you think if one stays or if they both stay, if they both leave, who's taking over the job there? I would say one or the other is going to get dealt. I believe that Joe Jimenez has far more value than Shane Green moving forward. And I would say that he's the guy that gets dealt while Shane Green stays. Uh, That's my opinion. But again, like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I know teams have already been inquiring on Joe Jimenez. So I guess we'll have have to wait and see. But I'm sure the green machine is going to stay. Okay, yeah, dark horse guy that I got there, if they both go, Buck Farmer. I mean, that <laughs> their team is bad. <laughs> and yeah. I think Buck Farmer actually played for the Twins for a little bit, didn't he? I don't believe so. He may have. That could be uh, – I mean, obviously he didn't make, out, make it an, like an impact that's everlasting, but um, he may have. Yeah, but Farmer's my dark horse, but as bad as the Tigers are, I don't even think it matters at that point. You might as well go get an eighth inning guy for a better team. Yeah, that would be my uh, suggestion. And one guy that I failed to leave off the list that I want to mention first before we get carrying on to the other four that we have on the list is Nate Valdi. Mm. So he's been out since uh, early early to late April. Been out for a significant amount of time now. Um, was targeted in drafts because of his relief, his stellar relief appearances during the playoffs in the road to uh, a Boston Red Sox World Series but um, after his uh, loose bodies in his elbow and his surgery, um, he has begun throwing, and he will begin, begin a rehab assignment soon, which in then turn will uh, be 
taking over the closer role, as uh, many reports have been stated. Um, there is no guarantees he may not take over that role, but that means that Barnes, Workman, Brazier, Walden, Brazier, all the all the question marks that are in the Red Sox bullpen currently may not be having any nods in the ninth inning moving forward when Avaldi arrives. I like him moving forward. I think that this is the kind of thing that uh, the Atlanta Braves should do with my guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Who is it? No. The Atlanta Braves with your guy? Yeah, who's, who's my guy that I think should, as a starter, currently in relief, should be... Sean Newcomb. Yeah. So I think that that's what they would, they would be turning to. But um, I, like, I like the idea of Evaldi closing out games for the Red Sox, and I think that he will be successful because he can throw heat and yes. strike guys out. So he's only going to be limited to one inning per game. And he will just be able to throw gas and get on with it, get on with himself. So yeah, where he always Evaldi always got rocked was the second and third times through the lineup, and he won't even have to worry about that as being a closer. Yep. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, moving forward, what do we got? Will Smith with the Giants. If he gets dealt, they kind of got a. Tri- he's going to get dealt. There's no question about it. They got he's a trio like- in the bullpen. Who who are they going to go to? Watson. You think Watson? I that's the guy I think right now. Matoya too, right? There's another guy. Yeah, like he has actually been. He's been kind of a middle relief. He's been a six, seven inning guy because they have uh, Sam Dyson and Mark Melanson. Yeah, has kind of made a little bit of a comeback this year. He used to be a top. He used to be the top closer in baseball with the Pirates. Yeah. So there's. I mean, they got a lot of depth with names wise, not as far as success. But yeah. For for names in that bullpen. Um, there's a lot going on there, but I'm pretty – Will Smith is almost a guarantee to be dealt because of his success this year. Yeah, my worry is with Smith. It's what team he lands, obviously, but I think there's going to be a team acquiring him to be an eighth-inning guy, like the Dodgers or the Red Sox. Cardinals. Or... I heard Cardinals. Yeah, he'd probably be an eighth-inning guy. Martinez is – I think he has that locked up. Carlos Martinez. Twins? He'd be the closer for the Twins. What about Rodgers, though? Uh, I think they'll put him in the seventh and eighth inning. Yeah, we'll see. Do you think or no? I I mean, Taylor Rodgers is the only left-handed pitcher in that bullpen of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, yes, Will Smith would be the second, but I don't really know how they would play that eighth and ninth inning because they'd both be lefties. I'm not sure. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Moving on, though, what else we got? Uh, Hector Neris with the Philadelphia Phillies. Dave Robertson – is coming back. I just don't know when. So I don't know. And that's why I kind of put him on the list because I don't know how impactful um, he can be when he returns. Yeah, I think it depends with Neris because I know Neris, he can – it's either – I feel like with him, it's either he pitches really well or he pitches – he's really bad and he gets sent down to AAA. Yeah. It's kind of a wild card with him, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, who knows? Like I would say – I mean, Dave Robertson, when he's healthy, he's been stellar throughout his whole career. So Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. All right, at number six, we got Felipe Vasquez in Pittsburgh. That's another one that the team is winning. They're sitting like four and a half games back in the Central. But if he does get traded, who do you think they go to? I would say Kyle Crick um, hasn't been real stellar 
with his canine numbers, but uh, he's been decent with his with everything else. So I think he's the guy that they're going to lean on. I feel like that's the name I've heard most throughout all of baseball. So it's just a matter of time, but I think he's the guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I honestly want to throw in there just because I've run Francisco Liriano. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Nah, uh, eh, I don't know. Lariano's just had yeah. a very up and down career. I think this is his second stint with the uh, Pirates. Yep. But yeah, he's kind of been tossed all over the place after he had that one or two great years with the Twins. Yeah. Too bad he never blossomed into his true colors. Yeah. He was, I mean, I remember him and Johan Santana. That was like the best one two punch in baseball for a bit there. Yeah, at the All Star break corner of that year. Uh, Lariano and Verlander are both rookies, and Lariano mm-hmm. Lariano is better. Yeah, but it, oh man, that was exciting times. Yeah. Anyways, wipe away the tears. What else we got? All right. Well, I just got a couple other guys here. We already talked about Trenyan and the Oakland A's bullpen. A couple other guys I got here that might either lose or gain value. Sergio Romo in Miami. He's currently their closer. If he's gone, I think Adam Conley probably takes that role over. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Marlins are so bad. Yeah, they aren't good. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Michael Givens in Baltimore. If he gets dealt, Sean Armstrong and Miguel Castro could possibly be a committee cl- closer committee. But yeah, that's all I got there. The rest, I mean, is not even worth talking about. Alex Colomay with the White Sox. Kelvin Herrera has been a closer in his career, but he's been so bad. So Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall are probably the closer committee there. Yeah, what do you think? I don't know. It. I don't even. It's just an. It's frustrating even talking <laughs> about it because just the <laughs> whole saves thing has just been. I, I wanted to look up the stat, but it probably took me too long because there's so damn many players in this league that have gotten saves this year. I yeah. just wanted to see how many different players there has been, but it would have taken me all afternoon. I didn't have the time or need to do so. But uh, that's why saves plus holds, and, I've, and that's why we have that format today, is just because, and I know people riff about the pros and cons and like not wanting to do holds in the future, but there's no job is safe. Like, look at Blake mm-hmm. Trinan and being dominant last year. Like, look where he is right now. And, mm-hmm. like, look what Edwin Diaz is in the Mets and all these guys. Like, they're, I mean, they can just get shelled and then never return to the role, and then some random guy's taking over, and then you don't know how long that's going to last. So, yeah, that's all I got. Saves plus holds, I like it. If you don't like it, whatever. But um, I just don't know, like, going forward what that looks like. So, Yeah, the issue I think what some fantasy owners have with the saves plus holds is it takes down the value of the top closers because you can have, a like, a guy like Adam Adovino he has, what, 18 yeah. holds this year with the New York Yankees. And then you get a guy like Chapman. He has, what, 20 saves. So, they, bo- I mean, they're right there. But I, I think that's the only thing that frustrates people. But I agree. Saves and holds nowadays is the way to go. Yeah. But, again, that's also probably me not having to worry about holds because I drafted Kirby Yates and Josh Hader. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the saves and holds don't matter to you because you got the top two closers in the game. All right, so now we're going to move to the top ads of the week. And at number one, we got my favorite name, De Leon, with the St. Louis Cardinals. Daniel Ponce De Leon. 
he is currently only owned in 20% of leagues, and I think he's got Pittsburgh back-to-back starts. So moving forward, uh, I guess he's got some upside there, and with the pitching scarcity being what it is, I think he's worth a flyer. Yeah, and he's actually pitched really well. He has a low whip and a high K9. He's pitched really well yeah. when he has the chance. Yeah, he's got the swing and miss stuff. His swing, swinging strike rate is high, and he's a guy that you could take a chance on because, like I said, the scarcity. So, Yeah. All right, at number two, we got Mr. Law with the Tampa Bay Rays, and that is not – it is the Nate Law, not Brandon Law. So Brandon Lau is his name, and then Nate Lowe is his name. So Nate Lowe is who, uh, Yeah. We're talking about Lau, man. So, uh, <laughs> so Nate Lowe is available or actually owned in 19% of leagues, increasing his uh, ownership percentage by 17% this week. And that is in large part of homering uh, how many times? Looks like five times in seven games. Oof. So he is off to a solid start in his second stint in the majors. And yesterday he homered twice, had four RBIs, and today he went two for four with two runs scored. So he's batting four and five in that lineup in recent days. And there, there's been reason why he's been listed as a top first base prospect. So if he's figured it out and he's rising to the occasion now, Yes, first base is decently deep, but um, with that unknown upside of being a prospect, he is worth an ad or flyer if you're in need of filling any voids of or injury or things like that. So yeah, I, I, took, I agree. I took I reaped the shares. I grabbed him today, so I'm kind of excited about what he's going to do moving forward. Yeah, very nice. That raise system is so incredibly deep. Like right now, they're playing playing games with Brendan McKay pitching They're like, Hey buddy, come up, start. We're going to send you back down, come up and start. We're going to send you back down. It's just, they're so deep. Yeah, no. And like, I can't even think of all the guys that are still coming up too. like, I wish, I, I wish Brett Honeywell had a, like he had another setback this year, which is terrible because he, had, he had such a, such a bright future. Um, yeah. Who's the other guy that got traded from, uh, from the Dodgers, Jose De Leon. Jose De Leon, he's yeah, been Jose, hurt as Jose De Leon. So he had Tommy John too, um, but yeah, they're just deep, man. And yeah, I think their future is bright, bright as the Rays, the Sun Rays. Yeah, if they stay in Tampa. Yeah, I'm sure. Who knows? That's another story. All right, at number three, he actually is a former Twin. He played for the Atlanta Braves. Now he's with the Texas Rangers. Danny Santana. Yeah, he has had back-to-back days. He sat out today, but in uh, Friday and Saturday, he had a combo meal with the home run and steal. Back-to-back days on Friday and Saturday. So he has been hot. He is, He's had these streaks, though, where he's delivering all these combo meals. And if he's remaining in the lineup, he's going to deliver those every once in a while. So it's nice to see he's uh, currently owning 33% of uh, Yahoo formatted leagues. And I think he's worth... I mean, being on that lineup, those that's just that's just a juicy lineup in Texas. It's, it's a very, very under the radar, but has high high upside. So I like guys like that. If he's remaining at the top of that lineup and uh, being there consistently, just keep your eyes on him. If he remains on your free agent pool, and swipe him if he is going to take off like he has in the past two days. 
Yeah, he actually had the walk-off game winner against the Astros, I believe, was on Friday. Might have been Thursday, but might have been Friday in the 10th inning. He had the walk-off winner. Yeah, this this home run stuff is – It wasn't a home run. He uh, hit it to center field, Springer dived, missed it, and game over. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's nice to see moving forward. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. At number four, he actually, we already talked about it. He got traded from Baltimore to Boston. He's already 46% owned, doesn't strike guys out. Coming back, looks like a Bilbo, Andrew Kashner. <laughs> yeah, he is. So that's the garrote that I, so going into like our Avaldi talks, since they had the talk, uh, the conversation's been had that they're going to move him to the bullpen, which is in turn stating that they need starting rotation help. This is their answer. I don't know if it's the only answer. I'm not sure if they're just going to rely on Andrew Kasher moving forward to solidify um, their needs as a starter, but I do think that it will help and provide them, provide them some depth at that position, even some long-inning uh, relief in the playoffs. But um, I like that because, I mean, he's had a really solid year so far this year. Yes, he has. I mean, his ERA is – I mean, it's a career year, to be honest. He has a le- – ten- 11 quality starts. Uh, he'll have a two-start week next week as well. Uh, but I think he I think he gains a little bit of value in Boston, but not much because he just can't miss bats. But we shall see. Yeah, he said out of his last eight starts, he's had six quality starts. Mm-hmm. So um, that's awesome to see. And he's now already owned in 46% of Yahoo League. So that ownership percentage is rising. Uh, this week he's got the Toronto Blue Jays. And then he squares off against the Baltimore Orioles, his previous most recent team. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, to finish out the top ads of the week, we've already talked to him about, talked about him a bunch. Daniel Hudson with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yep. That's the guy. Um, I, like, like we've said though earlier, who knows how much action he's actually going to take or how valuable he is going to be moving forward. But I think he is the guy to step into the ninth inning role for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, uh, moving forward, so this is my hitters section for the upcoming week um, to recap or finish off or top off this whole extended all-star week special of week 15. Um, I haven't actually picked out a hitter um, to grab or stash for the week, but I do have some lineups that I would like you to target. And uh, starting off with the Red Sox. So they are at home against the Blue Jays. And then they are at Baltimore. Camden Yards is where you hit the dingers, and I like any bats that are in the Red Sox lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kansas City Royals, they are another team that I liked. And all these teams, there's four teams that I'm going to list here. All, all four teams are on a full slate with no days off. So the Royals, they played the White Sox in KC at Kauffman, and then they are at Cleveland Progressive Field against the Indians. Again, seven games set there, um, no days off. And then the Dodgers, they are at Philadelphia against the Phillies, and they are then hosting the delicious Miami Marlins. Um, at home, too, yet. Yeah. And then uh, – but but don't, don't discredit the Miami Marlins pitching staff. That's one thing they actually have working for them this year. Um, yeah, and it so. seems like they only beat the Philadelphia Phillies. That's the team that they like to – beat around on everyone else they're like eh, we'll just we'll just chill yeah and then uh, the last team here uh, is the toronto blue jays so they are at boston and then they are at detroit 
And all those uh, pesky hitters that those ter- the Toronto Blue Jays have, like Kevon Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel, Galvis has even been hitting home runs lately. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just some random shares you can pick up and stash for the week and just plug and play. Um, but I do like them in Boston and, and at Comerica in Detroit. So those are the lineups that I'd like to target for the week. Um, but, yeah, we can move on now. Don't forget about Danny Jansen. He went from – uh, fantasy experts saying he might be the worst hitter in baseball to fantasy experts saying, pick him up. He might be a top five catcher. That's true. <laughs> I remember the beginning <laughs> of the year, everyone's like, don't touch this guy. He's the worst hitter in baseball. And he used to be a top prospect. I think he was the top he prospect. Was. He was. And that's, I got, that was the reason why I grabbed him last year. And I, well, I sold last year. I, I wasn't even in contention, but um, he was my catcher last year as like a stash. And he batted 273 to finish out the year. Um, it is uh, in the first stint in the MLB. This year, though, has just been a struggle, um, especially early on. But he's gotten to the rhythm as of late, and he's been hitting dingers. Um, not in the most recent days after the All-Star break, but right before the All-Star break had came, uh, he was doing excessively well. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens moving forward. All right, so we're going to go into our top two starts of the week. I just want to get off by starting the one I like the most, not just because he's on my team, but because he's been pitching well and the New York Mets come to town. That's interesting. I do not remember. Have the Mets ever been to Target Field? I mean, Target Field's now been there for 10 years, downtown Minneapolis, and I think this may be the first time that the Mets have visited our confines. Yeah, I'm curious to see how many Mets fans show up just because New York teams usually travel well. Uh, but Michael Pineda's got that two-start against the Mets and the A's. Do you think he's going to pitch quality starts? I mean, he's been stellar as of late, and he's only owned in 38% of Yahoo leagues, plays the Mets, and then again against Oakland, both home starts for him. I like him. So um, he was the reason why I added him to my list, and I would highly recommend all right. Who else do you got on there? I see a couple more juicy ones. Yeah. So um, just going by ownership percentages, uh, there are, well, five guys. Because I don't know if Plesak, he's been optioned AAA, so I don't even know if he's going to be able to make the starts that he originally had forecasted. So I like Dylan Cease against or at KC and then at Tampa. Obviously, the Tampa start is a little bit more concerning. But uh, we'll see how he does in KC first, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, working our way down to the 20% ownership percentage, we have Denilson Lamette. He is a strikeout guy. He may not reach the six-inning plateau for a quality start, but he is facing the Atlanta Braves, and then he is at Miami against the Marlins. Uh, moving just south of 20%, I've got... Jacob Junis at 9% ownership. He is against the White Sox in Kaufman and then at Cleveland against the Indians. So there's an option for you. And these are all guys that are primarily available in your leagues. We're not yep. going guys that are like obviously – Under 50% owned. Yeah, and these I, I even went deeper. I went under 40. So uh, I just wanted to make, make those – I mean, because there's those guys that have that upside or like – are like if you need them, especially in this extensively long week. Um, that's why I kind of wanted to just dig a little bit deeper. But um, the last guy I wanted to mention is Adam Plutko. So he's only 44, 4, 4% owned. 
So uh, Adam Plutko is facing the Detroit Tigers, and then he is against the Kansas City Royals. Both starts are going to be at Progressive Field home starts. So those are my five guys, uh, two starts for the week, all under 40% owned at this point in time. But I believe after this week, uh, Michael Pineda will be right around the 46% ownership percentage. Okay. Very nice. Yeah, a guy that I wanted to mention that his buy low window is closed shut. Aaron Nola is officially closed shut. Yep, and we can move on because I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that would get you going, but, man, he has been good. Yep, who knew? Maybe everyone else did, but all the guys I listened to didn't. So Yeah, well, all the experts that think they're experts, they just go with the trending news. Just like, I mean, we do too, but we try to reach out a little more. Yeah, but we all think we know what we're talking about, so. Exactly. Well, speaking of talking about, since we're kind of getting to the towards the end of the show, is tomorrow at noon, we are going to release our first top dynasty slash keeper top 100 ranking. Exit velocity style. Yeah. I haven't provided much input into that, and I know you've put a lot of hard work and effort into it, so I will uh, pro- provide my two cents and then see what we can come up with, but I'm excited to release it. Yeah, that'll be – yeah, next show we can talk about uh, the ups and downs of guys. We have a different format. We're not – we don't go like the ESPN style of Tristan. We're going team value, category value, position value, uh, six categories there. So you're going to see guys on there that are actually worth it, I feel like, and guys that didn't get left out. Like I saw in Tristan's ranking, Jorge Polanco, 191. I can't believe that. Yeah, it's a little deep. But then again, like – like I said to you earlier, um, Jose Barrios is probably like in a dynasty keeper league format is probably has the most value. But aside from that, like there's, I would say Max Kepler has more dynasty keeper value than Jorge Polanco. Oh yeah. That's, that's a risk. Yeah. There's guys that are starting to talk about Kepler more and more. Uh, yeah. He's, especially hitting lead off. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, like I said, I think, especially since he's been doing so well as of late too, but I think he's going to have a bright future. Yeah. You got anything else for us today? No, I think that should be all. Um, hopefully this provides some uniqueness to all of our listeners. We kind of mixed it up today, but I thought it'd be a creative way to start off the second half and maybe some creativity will continue as the league con- or the season continues. But uh, overall, I think it was a good show. Hopefully we covered everything we need to cover. I'd like to get more questions in from listeners um, as our listenership percentages are increasing, more people are becoming more and more engaged. So if you have questions, hopefully we can provide you with that insight and answer those for you and help you succeed and win some championships in your leagues. But yes. I think that's all I've really got. What do you got? Uh, also, if you want to be a guest on our show, just reach out to one of us via social media. We are start. We have a couple guests lined up in the month of August and possibly next week. Uh, you'll just be part of like the first segment. Give us your fantasy input. Ask us questions. I think it's just a little uh, fun to the show as well. For sure. I think the biggest thing I kind of wanted to get out of this and doing a podcast is just increasing the overall interest of baseball mm-hmm. and getting people more and more engaged to the fantasy baseball world because it is addicting. Like I just enjoy it. It's one of my favorite hobbies. 
And I don't think, I mean, there's a lot of people that consider themselves baseball fans, but they don't think or have enough time or effort as stated to play the game of fantasy baseball. And I think if you try it, you love it and you get connected and you enjoy it more than even fantasy football because fantasy football, I mean, anybody of any age could do it. It doesn't take much to be successful at fantasy football because it's so black and white. Like, there's there's little to no strategy in place. Like I just feel like it's. I mean, yes, if you win a championship, great. Like, but I just think baseball is far more strategic, and there's more time and effort that needs to be taking place, and the reward is far more. Like I would say, it's more valued and appreciated. Like once you succeed, I haven't obviously won a fantasy baseball championship, but <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so. baseball is unique too because in fantasy football and fantasy basketball, guys get drafted and make an impact right away. In baseball, guys get drafted, get sent down to the minors. So you got to study up. You got to have your rookie drafts and dynasty formats, get them in your minor league system. And three years down the road, they could potentially help you. There's just a lot more work in baseball. For sure. And the yeah. biggest thing too, though, is like fans, right? So fans yeah. at baseball games, like, I enjoy going to games if I have players playing because that just gives me more interest to be at that game. But nothing is more exciting than having a pitcher live, watching your pitcher live and doing well. Like that's like the best. That's like one of the best things that is yes, fantasy baseball. So you don't really know that if you haven't experienced it, if you don't play the game. But um, I just want more people to try it out. And I think yeah. uh, they'll like it. So that's all yeah, I really got. So. Yeah, we hope to be that uh, talking and that next generation to get people to love baseball. We're in our 20s, we're young, and people say baseball's dying with the young age, but we're hoping to bring it back. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Have a good night, sir. All right, take it easy.